Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. All right. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody today? Amen. I can't see you, but I know you're there. Amen. (laughs) I want to welcome you. We're in our current series, The Fire Still Falls. We started two weeks ago. If you could turn the house lights up a little bit, I do want to see. Amen. Uh, We started our series a couple weeks ago on Pentecost Sunday, talking about how the fire of Pentecost that fell initially on Pentecost Sunday still falls today. How many of you can testify that that is true? Amen. Last week, we talked about fresh fire and what a fresh fire could do in our lives. Uh, If you'll remember, I mentioned that fresh fire demonstrates God's presence. Fresh fire generates unlimited power. Fresh fire purifies And fresh fire gets the attention of people. And today I want to turn your attention again to our theme verse for this series, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. And I'm not going to preach very long today, so so hold on to your seats, amen. Um, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, because there's some hot fire out there. It's going to be a hot one today, amen. So... Uh, it's going to be a good one. It's June. It's supposed to be hot, right? June, July, August. I'm already ready for September. It's gotten hot enough, long enough for me. I'm ready for fall. <laughs> I know some of y'all are like, get that. Somebody stone him. But no, I'm ready. I'm ready. Matthew 3.11. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Amen. I want to preach on this subject today, build a fire. Build a fire, amen. Build a fire. Now, as I stated last week, the purpose of fire, as we know it, is used in many ways. Fire is used to heat things up. Fire is used to to burn things up. Fire is used to purify. Fire is used even to kill germs. And if we would transfer these everyday uses of fire to our spiritual lives, we would discover that the Holy Spirit does the same thing in the spiritual that fire does in the natural. It heats things up. It burns some things up. Amen. It sanctifies. It satisfies, it justifies, it purifies the believer. The fire of the Holy Spirit is the power of God at work in a believer's life. The fire is needed for the continual cleansing of our, of our mind because we are daily confronted and contaminated by the germs and sin that this world has to offer. Amen? It's all around us. And the only way to really combat sin is to burn it and get rid of it with Holy Spirit fire. Because it's dangerous to live in this world without the fire of God operating in your life. So what do you do when you you run into trouble? What will you do about the problems of, 
of daily living? What, what do you do when your children get into trouble? What do you do when your marriage is in trouble? How can you stay focused when there's so much that is going on around us? We all know that life can throw a lot of curveballs. And, and if you have no Holy Spirit power, I want you to know you don't have the full arsenal of weaponry that God provides to us to face the issues that confronts us in life. It's kind of like going behind, going around in life with one arm tied behind your back when it doesn't have to be that way. God's power makes a difference in your life. Amen. And if we're truthful, I think you and I can both admit that we have to deal with stuff from time to time. Amen. And even though you might not be able to easily change the issues that you're going through, the good news is you can handle whatever you face if you have Holy Spirit power. Now, we've established the fact that we need fresh fire, but today I want to talk to you about a couple of the elements that are needed in order to build a fresh fire in your life. Now, there are things that we must prepare for before a fresh fire can really fall. It's, it's not enough to wish for fire. we got to prepare for fire. And it's not enough to just want it to happen. we got to be ready for it to happen. How many of you, anybody, I don't know if there's anybody that likes watching reality TV. How many of you watch the show alone? Anybody out there ever watch the show alone? Man, I'm really surprised. It's the same way in first service. It's like me and three people. Amen. Well, <laughs> it's a pretty cool show. Unless you're ashamed to admit you watch reality TV, and then I can understand that too. But, uh, but it's a pretty cool show. They take these people that are supposed to be survival experts or, or whatever, and they take them and they put them in these remote areas, and the objective's really simple. They drop them off. They're all alone, and they have to survive, and whoever lasts the longest wins a large sum of money. Now, these people are pretty hardcore. Some of them, they actually have to extract them for medical reasons because they stay longer than what their bodies will allow them to stay. Some of them are, have starvation. Some of them have injuries, whatever. And somebody stays the longest amount of time and they win. But the one thing that they always talk about is the ability to build fire. It's critical. Doesn't matter how many other skills you have. Doesn't matter if you can kill a bear with a rock. It doesn't matter. None of those things matter. If you can't build a fire, you cannot survive on this. And they don't give you a bic lighter. <laughs> they don't give you one of those big things you light the candles with. They just give you. You got to find you some sticks. You got to figure it out. You got to build a fire on your own. And fire is so critically important because it's how they boil their water. It's how they cook their food. It's how they build fires to, to create warmth. And it's how they build a fire to fend off all these wild animals. The key is you have to be able to build a fire in order to survive. You have to be prepared. Because preparation always precedes fire. Amen? Five times in the Old Testament, fire fell from heaven. Let me just quickly give you these scriptural examples, and then I want to point out some commonalities between these examples. Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, verse 17. It says, After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. Moses in the book of Leviticus chapter 9 
in verse 23, it said, Then Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle, and when they came back out, they blessed the people again. And the glory of the Lord appeared to the whole community. Fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And when the people saw this, they shouted with joy and fell face down on the ground. Amen. How many of you would like to have a fire come that would burn some fat? Amen. I, I, wouldn't, mind, I wouldn't mind that kind of fire. <laughs> Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18, it said this, Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. Now that was a fire right there. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. The Lord is God. Fire fell in David's life in 1 Chronicles 21 and 26. It said, David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And when David prayed, the Lord answered him by sending fire from heaven to burn up the offering on the altar. And then one more example, Solomon in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It said, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. You want to know how much church they were having? Look at verse 2. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Amen. Now I want you to notice in every one of these instances, preparation was made in advance in order for the fire to fall. It didn't just happen. It didn't just come because they wanted it. They had to prepare themselves. Look at Abraham. The Bible says he prepared a sacrifice. He laid them side by side, and then the Lord sent the fire. So you got to be prepared for fire. Moses and Aaron, the Bible says that they had gone to the altar, and they prepared a sin offering, and then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the offering. Elijah he built an altar, he prepared a sacrifice, he even dug a ditch and filled it with water during a time of drought, and his preparation and his faith preceded fire falling from heaven. David, the Bible says, also built an altar, and he sacrificed, and then he prayed, and then the Lord sent the fire. And then the last example was Solomon. He dedicated the temple, he prayed, and when he finished praying, the Bible says fire came down, and the presence of God was so strong in the house of the Lord that the priest couldn't even go inside and minister, amen? Now that was a fire right there. Here's some good news. As bad as we need an outpouring of God's Spirit in the last days, did you know God desires to pour out His Spirit even more than we want Him to pour out His Spirit? Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 17, the apostle Peter was paraphrasing or quoting uh, the prophet Joel from Joel chapter 2. And here's what he said. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Guys, I want you to know, we are living in those days when God wants to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Amen. He wants to do it. 
Now I want you to notice there were three things that were consistent in every account from the Old Testament I read to you. First of all, they built an altar, they offered a sacrifice, and then the fire fell. Everybody say, then it fell. They had to build an altar, and they had to prepare a sacrifice. I want to tell you right now, if you want a fresh fire of God in your life, you cannot bypass building an altar and offering a sacrifice in preparation for the fire of God to fall in your life. I'm talking about every church, every organization, every believer. You've got to build an altar, and you've got to offer a sacrifice. I want you to look at Luke chapter 24, Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven and the fire of Pentecost fell. It says in Luke 24, 49, it says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. See, the Lord told them, these were his last words before he ascended into heaven. He said, I'm going to send Holy Spirit fire upon you, but first you're going to have to go to the city. You've got to stay in the city. You've got to wait, and you've got to be preparing yourself for the fire to come. Jesus told them to go and wait, and guess what? That's exactly what they did. Acts chapter 1, verse 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which was a distance of half a mile. And when they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those that were present, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And I want you to notice verse 14. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Now, I know I already preached about this a couple of weeks ago, but I want you to notice what happened as a result of Jesus telling them to stay, them staying and praying. I want you to see what happened. The fire fell on Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. I gave you five examples from the Old Testament. I told you how Jesus told them in the New Testament. So how do you and I build a fresh fire in our life? It's simple. We got to do the same things they did in the Bible. You have to build an altar, and you've got to offer a sacrifice. Now, I'm not talking about a literal altar of wood and stone. I'm not talking about maybe building a bench. I'm not, talk I'm not talking about that kind of an altar. And I'm not talking about offering uh, bulls and, and cows and, and pigeons and all that kind of stuff, sheep. I'm not talking about that kind of a sacrifice. But you and I have to be proactive in our lives about building an altar and offering a sacrifice. Altars are built from a desire to please God. Come on. Father, I'm just going to be honest. This is not a complicated sermon today. 
This is real simple meat and potatoes I want to give you today. If you want the fire of God to fall in your life, it begins by having a desire for God to build a fresh fire in your life. Desire builds a fire. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. How many of you know that you act different when you're hungry? <laughs> yeah. Some of you, you know. Some of you married to somebody who acts different when they're hungry. You familiar with the term hangry? For those of you who have somebody you love that gets hangry, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. You act different when you're hungry. Snickers has a commercial. You ever seen that commercial? It says you don't act right when you're hungry, right? You act differently when you're hungry because you want something to satisfy your hunger. You act differently when you're thirsty because you need something to satisfy your thirst. Come on, child of God. You pursue God differently when you're hungry for more of Him. You pursue God differently when you're thirsty for more of Him. Come on, you've got to have a desire in your heart for the things of God in order to see the fire of God fall in your life. I wish to God some of us would get hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of God to fill our lives. And how many of you know that you act different when you're full? Oh, yeah. oh. Uh. Robin, she doesn't do it anymore. For like the first 20 years of our marriage, we'd eat, and then she'd go, you want to go for a walk? I'm like, no. I don't want to move from this chair. When I used to work construction, we would eat lunch. And my helper, oh, he already knew for the next hour, it was going to be like this. I mean, I just moved slow. When I'm full, that's just me. And I don't know about you, but I tend to move slow spiritually when I'm full too. You get comfortable. You get complacent. You see, I don't always feel like I need fire if I'm already warm. I don't feel like I'm that hungry if, I'm all, if things are going that great. Come on, somebody. But you know who wants fire? People that are hungry for something fresh from God in their life. I would to God that the church of 2021 would just get hungry for a move of Jesus in our generation. Amen? I wish we could get hungry for God to change us, for God's fire to fall on us again. Come on, somebody. How many of you need the fire of God to fall fresh in your life? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty. You've got to have a desire for the fire. Did you know it was desire that caused blind Bartimaeus to shout out for Jesus? It was desire that caused Jesus to respond to him. It was desire that pushed the woman with the issue of blood to press through the crowd and to touch the hem of Jesus' garment and ultimately receive her healing. It was desire that called Zacchaeus to lay aside his pride and to climb up a sycamore tree and find his way to Jesus. Come on, somebody. It was desire that caused Nicodemus to humble himself and and hear the message of the new birth, and to find the truth of the gospel. It was desire. Desire. 
And I'm just going to tell you, if you want to have a fresh fire in your life, you've got to have a burning desire for the fire of God to fall fresh in your life. Okay, you know why some people don't get what they need from God? They don't want it. <laughs> you have not because you ask not. Amen. Amen. My grandson is three years old. He has not arrived at the place where he does not ask. Papa, can I have some candy? Papa, can I have some candy? Papa, can I have some candy? Here at the church, here at my house. He's not afraid to ask because he knows what he wants and he asks for it. Amen. Sometimes he gets it, sometimes he doesn't. He gets it more often than he doesn't. Amen. Always link it to some real low, low bar. Do this and you can have some candy. Okay, come on, let's go get the candy. Amen. <laughs> Desire. Can I just say it? I know you love Jesus, but when was the last time you were hungry for him? Thirsty for him. Come on, desperate for him. God, I want you to pour fire on me. Well, how hungry are you for the fire? How much do you desire? Come on, desire is the altar that you build everything else on. You got a desire to be healed. You got a desire to be saved. You got a desire to be set free. You have to desire the fire. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I think we're, some of us were just too guilty of playing patty cake for Jesus or we're just content to, to warm a chair for 90 minutes every week on Sunday. Amen? But see, you're missing out on the great things that God has in store for your life. Amen? Desire more of God. Desire fire. And if you don't have that desire, ask God to give you a holy burning desire. Amen? Don't just pray one time and get discouraged when the answer doesn't come. Amen? You got to keep knocking on the door. Desire will push you back to the altar time and time again. Amen? How much do you desire God when it's time to worship? Come on, when it's time to praise? When it's time to respond to His Spirit? When it's time to give God your best. We don't want to just give God our leftovers if we want fire to fall. Amen? Don't let pride, don't let uh, a, a bad attitude, don't let a circumstance cause you to just sit on your hands or silence your voice. Be hungry and thirsty for God. Because I'm going to tell you, where there is no desire, there is no fire. It's that way in your earthly relationships. It's that way in your relationship with your heavenly Father you got to build a fire with a foundation of desire, a heart for God, and the greater things of the Spirit. Amen. Desire is what builds the altar. But you also have to offer a sacrifice. And prayer and communion is that sacrifice that builds the fire. Everybody say prayer. Prayer, prayer builds a fire. See, prayer is the sacrifice. And in order for fire to fall, we need to have an altar of prayer in our lives. You can't bypass the altar. Amen. Come on, this is a spiritual monopoly. You don't get to pass go. Amen. You can't bypass prayer and communion with God if you want the fire of God to be in your life. 
Every great move of the Spirit happens when somebody or someone built or rebuilt an altar of prayer in their life. Amen? Even on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring came after a prayer meeting that had been going on for several days. There is no shortcut. There is no way around it. Prayer must precede and outpouring. I could give you many examples of great prayer movements that birthed revivals and outpourings of the Spirit throughout, uh, throughout history. But suffice it to say, even in your own personal life, if there's no altar and there's no prayer, there's not going to be any fire. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You say, man, Pastor, this is pretty basic stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and you know what? We need to get back to the basics. Yeah. Amen? I don't know if it's true or not, but I was told that Vince Lombardi and his years of coaching, and if those of you who know who Vince Lombardi is, he was a championship coach of the Green Bay Packers. They named the Super Bowl after him. The Super Bowl trophy is called the Lombardi Trophy. Every year when training camp would begin, he would get, gather in all these professional athletes. You know what he would do? He would pick up a football and he would go, gentlemen, this is a football. And he would walk them through basic stuff, teach them how to block, teach them how to, just basic stuff, kindergarten football stuff. Gentlemen, this is a football. Well, can I say it this way to your life, church? This is how you build a fire of God in your life, the altar and prayer. The altar and prayer. You can't enjoy his fire if you don't know him. You learn to know him through prayer. And can I just tell you, prayer doesn't have to be complicated. Amen? I remember back uh, I used to have a friend, he's an evangelist, he passed away, his name was Charles Mahaney. Way back, some of you will remember back in the 70s, I believe it was, there was a big prayer movement going on, 70s, early 80s, and for everybody to pray at 6 o'clock in the morning. Now, I don't know what that was about, I was too young. But I'll never forget, Charles Mahaney, one time he said, well, praise God, he said, it's 6 o'clock in the morning somewhere in the world whenever I pray. <laughs> In other words, I ain't getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning to pray. I'm going to pray whenever I feel led to pray. See, some people will tell you you got to pray for an hour. Some people will tell you you got to get down on your knees. Some people will say you got to get in your prayer closet. I'm just telling you, just talk to God. Amen? Talk to God. There used to be an old hymn we would sing. It said, have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your troubles. He will hear our fainted cry. He will answer by and by. Have a little talk with Jesus. God, I need to rebuild my altar. I need to rebuild my prayer life. I want your fire to fall afresh. So you might have to start rebuilding some things. I want the praise team and the musicians to come. In 1 Kings, there's a story of a great man of God by the name of Elijah. Elijah was basically a nobody from nowhere. He was referred to as the Tishbite. He was a man from the small town of Tishba and Gilead. 
We don't know anything about his family or his birth, but his name literally means my God is Yah or my God is Jehovah. Hallelujah. How many of you know you don't have to be a somebody from somewhere as long as your God is Jehovah God? Amen. Amen. But Elijah would eventually become one of the most famous and dramatic of all of Israel's prophets. He was a powerful man of God. He literally came out of nowhere. And when he appeared before wicked King Ahab with a pronouncement from God, people knew who he was. Elijah predicted there was not going to be any rain or dew. And after he said this, Ahab became furious. He tried to kill Elijah just like he had done all the other prophets of God. And Elijah had to go into hiding. And by the way, Ahab never found him. But when Elijah went into hiding, he wasn't just shaking in his shoes. He was praying. And he was praying every day for it not to rain. Matter of fact, James 5.17 says this about Elijah. It says, Elijah was a human being even as we are. By the way, aren't, don't you love it when God puts little nuggets in the Scripture like that to encourage us? You say, well, I ain't nobody. That's all right. Neither was he. He was a human being even as we are. But notice, here's what's different about him than some of us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Three and a half years. See, Elijah was willing to pray for hardship and destruction to come on God's people because he was willing to ask for a physical famine if it would put an end to the spiritual famine in Israel. Elijah's desire for the supernatural trumped his desire for comfort in the natural. And so the Bible says for three and a half years he prayed. Can you imagine how long that is? Six months, no rain. Keeps praying. One year, no rain. Keeps praying. Two years, no rain. He wasn't praying for it to rain. He was praying for it to not rain. Two years, God, they're still not ready. Don't let the rain come. Two and a half years, God, they're still not ready. Don't let the rain come. Three years, three and a half years. His desire for the spiritual said, God, whatever it takes, whatever you got to do. I want you to stand with me all over this house. I've only preached for 30 minutes today. I want to tell you, revival fire, fresh fire, breaks out when we become so burdened and grieved that we begin to pray strong, fervent prayers, asking for God to send His fire or send a holy rain upon us. Prayer is what brings backsliders back to God. Prayer is what restores broken marriages. Prayer is what gets your kids off of drugs. Come on. Prayer is what heals broken hearts. Prayer is what breathes fire on the dead Christians and on the dead churches. Come on, somebody. Prayer. Prayer is what we have to put on our altar of sacrifice. And prayer is what can bring fresh fire to your tired and weary soul. Come on, hear me. I'm not, you're not bad. You're not backslid. 
But how many of you know you just need some fresh fire? How many of you are willing to admit you need a fresh anointing? Amen. How many of you are willing to admit maybe I maybe I need to put some rocks back together? I need to I need to rebuild my altar. It's been a while since I've been in my prayer closet. It's been a while since I've humbled myself and repented. It's been a while since I've knelt at an altar and told God I'm sorry. It's been a while since I've said, God, you know what's in my heart and it's not right, and I confess it and I ask you to help me. I want to turn it around because I want your fire. I want your fire in my life. Desire builds the altar, and prayer is the sacrifice. And then the fire can fall. Prayer is a log for the fire. Pentecost happened because they've been praying. We got to talk to God. So today I'm going to open up this altar, and they're going to begin to sing. And I just want to ask, is there anybody here that's hungry? No, no, I mean, you're really hungry. You love Jesus, but are you hungry? And right now you're like, well, I thought I was, but maybe I'm just satisfied. I thought I was, but maybe I'm not. I want you to come down to this altar. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to say, God, I want to be hungry and thirsty for your righteousness, God. I want to hunger for you more than I hunger for this world. I want to hunger for, come on, that's it, they're already coming. I want to hunger for you, God, more than the things of this world. God, I want to be more hungry for the supernatural than I am for the natural. Come on, I want you to flood this altar, church. Come on, we need a move of God in this generation. We need fresh fire to fall not only on this church, but on our city and on our land, amen? Why don't you step out from where you are and lift your hands and begin to ask God, God, fill me with fire. Fill me with a fresh fire. Would you come? Would you come?